All right, we're going to receive the offering. While we receive the offering, why don't you guys go ahead and pull out your Bibles. Um, Luke 12. Luke 12 is where we're going to be this morning. We've been in the book of Luke. In the what? In the book. In the book. The big, the big book? Uh, the book of Luke um, for uh, a long time, since the beginning of December. Uh, so before the birth of Christ. And we're going we're gonna to be in the book, all, book of Luke all the way up um, to the resurrection of Christ on Easter. We're just, we're just marching through it. And we're in Luke 12 this morning. And again and again and again throughout the book of Luke, we've watched Jesus do incredible things, uh, perform miracles, teach unbelievable sermons. And, and again and again and again, what he is pressing in, he chips away um, with, with great ferocity, chips away at all of these things that we think are going to fulfill us that we think are going to bring, um, bring, bring the sense of completeness or wholeness. He, he chips away to the things that we think are going to make us feel more human. He says, that's not true. I've come to do that. I've come to give life and life to the fullest. I've come to make you who you were intended to be. I've come to remove all of the brokenness that stands between you and God. I've come to, to be the, the one who stands in that gap. I've come to give my life for, for the forgiveness of your sins. I've come to give my life in, in, in your place. And this morning in this text, Luke 12, where we're going to pick it up, he's going to continue to press in. He's going to press in on a very specific thing, right? Last week, we kind of talked about general things, right? If you, if you were here, um, you remember the shake weights of faith. Uh, all of these things that we think are going to produce in us uh, a sense of completeness. They're going to they're going to they're going to make us feel like we've we've achieved. Like our, like our, they're going to fulfill our sense of identity and purpose and meaning, but they never do. This morning, Jesus is going to attack maybe maybe the one that is the most dangerous of all. He's going to attack the one that's most dangerous of all. And so here's what we're going to do. In honor and reverence of the Word of God, um, and this is the Word of God. Uh, this week, I was sitting reading my Bible at the kitchen table, and my son, Winston, says, What are you doing, Dad? And, uh, and, and kind, of, kind of half-joking, in a funny voice, I said, I'm wrestling with the Word of God. And Winston looks at, back at me and says, I hope you win, Dad. Um, that has nothing to do with the sermon. I just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, that's a true story. You can ask Desiree. I hope you win, Dad. Um, in, in reverence to the Word of God, I'm going to invite you guys to stand. We're going to read the Word together. So why don't you guys go ahead and stand if you're able. Stand. We're going to wrestle with the Word of God this morning. All right. Chapter 12. We're going to pick it up in verse 13. Verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, to the crowd, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Covetous. Man, I did that in 915 too. Covetous. Covetous. Somebody, somebody help me out. Thank you. For one does not consist in the abundance, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of the rich man, um, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, 
This night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Verse 22. And he said to his, to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, they neither, they, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. All right. Let's dive in. So, long, long, big, big chunk of Scripture this morning, all right? I mean, we're going we're gonna to unpack and work our way through the entire, through the entire thing. And so, it begins in, in a crowd, which, which most of uh, the stories from Luke do, right? There's crowds pressing in, following Jesus all the time, constantly. They're always around him, always seeing, what's he going to do next? Is he going to give, give some of his sight back to the blind? Is he going to make to the lame to walk? What's he going to do next? Is he going to raise the dead? I, I don't know. Let's, let's follow him and find out. There's a crowd following him. And out of the crowd comes a man. And we don't know who the man is. It's just some, some random guy, um, clearly the younger brother of someone. Um, and he says to Jesus, Jesus, teacher, Rabboni, Rabbi, tell my brother to divide half of this inheritance with me. You see, in this first century Israel culture, um, the eldest brother, the, the eldest son, the firstborn son, would have received the inheritance of uh, the father. And so the eldest son has received this inheritance, and one of the younger brothers, may, maybe the only younger brother, comes to Jesus and says, hey, tell him to divide this with me. Jesus' response is, what the heck is wrong with you, right? Who am I? Who am I? Am, am I uh, that, who made me judge or arbitrator over you and your, your little squabble, right? You, you got you to realize, you got to think big picture on, on what Jesus' Jesus' response to this, right? Jesus, the God of all things, leaves glory, steps out of heaven, wades into humanity, puts on flesh, becomes obedient all the way to death, right? Even death on a cross, gives up his life. Um, he comes to earth, um, the, the Messiah, the chosen one, the Christ of God, um, walks on earth, 
does unbelievable miracles, makes the lame to walk, restores sight to the blind, blind cures um, lifelong illnesses, raises the dead, um, preaches unbelievable sermons about the kingdom of God. And here this guy's like, you know what I think you should do for me? Tell my brother to split half my inheritance. Jesus, Jesus came to give eternal, everlasting life. And not just any eternal, everlasting life, but like life magnified and glorified, perfect for all time, forever. And this guy wants half of a measly inheritance. Jesus ignores him. He's like, dude, that's not, that's not why I'm here. That's not my job. But then Jesus uses it to teach us something. He turns to the crowd and he says, he says, let me tell you a story. And he begins to teach a parable. And the parable is, is the parable of the rich fool. The rich fool. He's rich at the beginning of the story. And I think that's actually important for, for when we actually kind of process and think through what Jesus is trying to get us to see. Um, the man is, is a wealthy, rich man. And he's not a fool because he's rich. He's actually very wise. He takes his money and he invests it rightly. He buys these fields. He hires the right farmers to farm these fields. And they produce an amazing abundance of crops. So many crops that they can't, he can't fit them all in his barn. He's literally hit the jackpot. His, his business, his company um, has just quadrupled in size. It's amazing. He says, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with all of this success? He says, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build new barns, and, I'll, and it'll be bigger and better than the old ones. I'll fit everything in them. And then I'll say to my soul, soul, relax. Eat, drink, be merry. Right? You have plenty. This will last you for years and years and years. Just relax. And then he dies. He dies. In that moment, in that day, his soul is required of him. He, he, he loses his life. And he stands before God, and God says, you fool. You fool. Like, what are you, you going to do now? Like, what, what are you, what's, what's the purpose of it all now? What's the point of it all now? What did it actually buy you? What did it actually fulfill? You see, he's not a fool because he's wealthy. He's not a fool because he's rich. In fact, in order to get there, I'm sure it took some hard work and some wisdom in order to get to that place where he had that much abundance and that much excess. He's a fool because he allowed the excess, he fell into the trap, and he allowed the excess to trick him into believing that his soul could be satisfied there. He's a fool not because he has a great job or great career, makes a lot of money. He's a fool because he thought his soul could be satisfied in that. And this is the trap that so many of us fall into. So many, in fact, all of us, all of us fall into this trap at some point or time or another. In fact, I would say the majority of this room might even be there right now, right? We say, man, if, if I just won the lottery, right? If I, could just, if I could just win the lottery, then I would be set forever. If, if, I could, if I could win the lottery, if I, if I, could, if I could win $100 million, man, I would just buy a house in Fiji and never talk to anybody ever again, right? There would be a phone, and it would ring, and I'd pick it up and be like, no, and click. And it's like, like, that would be my life. It would be amazing, right? No problem. It's just Fiji. We know it's not true, though. 
We know it's not true. All, countless studies have been done on people who win the lottery, and they're left longing. They're, they're left sorrowful. They're left even depressed. They, 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 some of them even take their own lives because they just can't get over this anxiety and depression that has gripped their lives with this abundance, with this excess. But the lie, the trap that we fall into is that, no, 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 that, that we can find fulfillment in excess. If I just had enough, there, there it would be. If I just had a little bit more, if I just had this thing or if I just had that thing, th then my soul would be at rest. There would be no more anxiety. There would be no more stress. There would be no more. I would just, I would just relax, eat, drink, and be Mary, the entire Bible from beginning to end warns us. It warns us against this idea. From Old Testament to New Testament, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, um, Deuteronomy 8, 17, it'll be up here on the screen. Pete, you got that? Deuteronomy 8, 17 um, says, says it this way. God speaking to the nation of Israel says, Beware lest you say in your heart. Important. Right? Just like the guy said in his soul, in your heart, in your soul, beware least you say in your heart, because you're not going to say it out loud. You're not going to say it out loud. You're going to say it to yourself. My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Now, here's where it gets crazy and scary. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord has made perish before you, you shall, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of your God. In, in, in the nation of Israel, all the way back in the Old Testament, God says, dude, listen, there is a trap. There's a trap, and it involves you thinking that in some way, shape, or form that you can find, buy, acquire this fulfillment of your soul that you can say in your heart, now I have rest. Now I can relax. Now I don't need anything else. I don't need God. I don't need other people. I don't need friendships. I don't need relationships. I have everything I need in this one thing, my excessive wealth. And just a few chapters later in the book of Luke, right, we're in Luke 12. In Luke 18, Jesus uh, says the faint, kind of famous quote, famous verse, right? It's easier for a camel to pass through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, right? Now, remember, I want you to remember this. I want you to see this. The fool in the parable, the man in the parable, is not a fool because he's rich. It's not a sin to make a lot of money. It is not a sin to have a job that, that pays you well. There's not a sin in that. The sin comes, just like, just like the author in Deuteronomy says, um, where's that? Verse nine, in verse 19 in Deuteronomy, that if you go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. What he's saying is when you think that now I no longer need this God. I can pursue other gods. I can pursue the God of comfort with my wealth. 
The wealth is the, is the access to the God of security. My wealth is the access to the God of, of notoriety and fame. Wealth is the access to all of these other gods. Listen, this is, this is the trap of wealth. This is the trap of excess. That we believe that with it, we can acquire other things that we, that we elevate higher than our God. They become greater, they become grander. We, we love them more than we love our God. Now you might say, this, this is not me. Josh, you don't, you don't know me. This is not me. Like, yes, I have a, a nice home, nice car, but man, we're not like, we're not, we don't have like excess. Like, I don't have like gold-plated, you know, furniture. Like, that's not... That's not me. I, I, don't, I, don't own, I don't own like oil fields or anything like Josh, this is, they're not talking about me. This text is absolutely talking about us. It's like this guy who tears down his little barns and builds bigger barns is just like you and me. Since 1975, the, the fastest growing area of commercial real estate since 1975, for about, 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 about the past 50 years, the fastest area, fastest growing area of commercial real estate is self-storage. People like you and me who say, I need a bigger barn. Who say, I have so much stuff that literally my gigantic house can't hold it all. I need another place where I can shove things um, for, for a while and just kind of forget about them. Or if you're like me, uh, you just mooch off of your in-law's self-storage area and kind of put some stuff in there because um, you don't want to actually pay for one because um, the wealth could find things that I could buy with um, and fulfill me. Listen, we do this constantly. It is absolutely talking about us. We are the ones who fall into this trap all the time that in some way, shape, or form, if I owned this, then I would be satisfied. We, we amass mouth, massive amounts of credit card debt trying to, to find, buy, or acquire things that are going to satisfy us. We work unbelievable hours tirelessly trying to acquire the thing that we think is going to lead in some way, shape, or form to satisfaction, to fulfillment, to purpose, to meaning. And it never does. It never does. I was talking to a friend this week, and his company just this week sold um, for multiple millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And one person at the top of this company, the guy who, the founder, the president, the CEO of this company, um, pocketed, after taxes and everything, pocketed almost $10 million. Crazy amounts of money. You're like, that's amazing. In fact, um, my friend who knows him and his family well uh, saw his wife and said, man, isn't this great? Isn't this amazing that you, 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 guys, like, you guys have this now? And what's that going to do? Are you guys going to travel? Are you guys going to go do something fun? Are you guys going to relax a little bit? And she looked right back at him and said, no. My husband is just as addicted to his work today as he was before he got that check. This changes nothing for us. And I just thought, dude, I said, what? Every single person that I know thinks if somebody wrote me a $10 million check, life would be so much easier. Like, that's just what we think. 
we think, man, if, if, I, if I could just work a little bit more, work a little bit more, and I could, I could just get to this place, everybody has that place in their mind. And I don't know what that place looks like for you. Uh, may, maybe for you, there's like, no way I'm ever making $10 million. But may, maybe for you, it's something way smaller than that. I just, want, I just want like a little boat, and I could just sail around and just be free for a little bit. Maybe for you, it's like a cabin or a, and maybe just a certain level in your savings account. If I could just get to this place. But it's never true. It's never true. When we find it, when we buy it, when we acquire it, maybe for a moment there is a sense of rest, but ultimately there's just more anxiety. There's more anxiety, more worry. We spend our lives worrying. The fool lives a life of stress and anxiety to get to a place that doesn't actually exist. And then when they get there and they realize it doesn't exist, they're racked with more stress and anxiety. Because everything that they had worked so hard for, everything that they had slaved for, everything that they had hoped in, didn't fulfill the way they thought it would. So what do we do? How do we live free from this anxiety? What Jesus does in this passage, and the reason why I love this passage, is because he goes from this parable, which is kind of this future idea, that this guy who works so hard and he finally acquires this thing, right, this future idea, and he brings it back to this right now, in this moment, how do you live free now? And this is the reality of this trap. If you are not right now living free from it, you will not be free out there in the future someplace when you finally achieve this thing. You won't find it out there. We must live free of it now. And so Jesus, takes, he's talking to the crowd, tells a story, says that key line, which I love, so, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. That's the fool. I got all this excess and it's mine. Not God's, mine. And then he takes his disciples. He says, let me, let, me, let me take this a little bit farther just with you guys. Just with my boys, just the guys that are following me, the guys who have literally given up their careers, their jobs, their families, all of their wealth, all of their savings, they've given it up to follow Jesus. Let, let me tell you how this applies to you, fellas. Here's what he says in verse 22. And he said to his disciples, Therefore, therefore, given everything I just said, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Don't worry about your life what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Here's what he says to his disciples. He pulls them aside. Again, men who are just literally broke, right? A few weeks ago, we talked about the sending out of the 72. And Jesus is like, don't take anything with you. No food, no money, like just people, people will take care of you. God's, gonna, God's got it. Don't, don't worry about it. He pulls them aside. He says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about your, 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 your shelter, your home, right? Don't, don't worry about that. Now, that sounds pretty easy to say. That's an easy thing to say. It's, an, it's a harder thing to actually live it out. I realize that there are people in this room, there's some of us in this room, who literally every month, the anxiety presses into our life, and we say, man, how, how in the world am I going to pay to keep the gas on? People in this room, that every single month, you say, man, how in the world am I going to pay to keep feeding my kids? That's reality for some of us. And Jesus is like, don't worry about your life. And you're like, thanks, Jesus. That doesn't help me at all. Like, that literally does not help. But then he, but then he flushes it out a little bit. 
he actually takes them back to the parable, if you notice it. He says, look at, look at the ravens. Look at the ravens. They don't have barns. This guy tore down his barn, built a bigger one. The ravens don't even have barns. They don't have storehouses. They don't store things. They, they, don't, have, they don't have food stocked away in some tree that they're going to eat. No. A car runs over a raccoon, and that's like the raven's dinner bell. Like, that's when they eat. He says, listen, man, God cares about that raven. He makes sure that that raven has food. He has created a system in which that raven is going to get fed when the raven needs to get fed. That raven has existed for a very long period of time. And he's going to keep existing for a very long period of time because God cares about that raven. How much more does he care about you? How much more does God care for you than he does the birds? If the God of all things gives his life, if he steps into time, he goes to the cross, he bleeds the ground red, suffers in un unimaginable horrors so that you might know him, so that you might know his love for you, how much more important are you to him than a bird? Least of all, the raven. The God of all things cares about you. And what Jesus is getting at in this moment, and this is something that yeah, I, I hope presses in and sinks in. He doesn't just care about you kind of up here cosmically, like God loves you. Yes, he does. He cares about your gas bill, man. He cares about you being able to feed your kids. He cares about you being able to feed yourself. He cares about you being, having food on your table and having, having, a, having a warm place where you can sleep at night. He actually, he cares about that. And what Jesus is saying to his closest followers, men who have given up everything for the cross of Christ, right? Again, why is the rich fool a fool? So it is with the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. The fool is a fool because he says, this is all mine. I'm going to take it for myself. The disciples say, this is not mine. I'm going to give it all to the kingdom of God. He says, for you, for that person, God knows that you need those things. He knows that. Later on in this passage, he says, all the nations of the earth need those things. God knows that you need them. He's not going to let you go hungry. When you give all to his name, he does not, he does not, he does not treat that lightly. He doesn't treat it lightly. He cares about the, the, the smallest parts of your circumstance. And he loves you. The God who is able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine, right? Jesus goes on. He says, he says if, you can't even, if you can't even, by worrying, by anxiety, if you can't even add a single hour to your life, why are you worried about this? What he's getting at, what he's trying to get you to see, is that the God of all things who loves you and cares about your circumstances, uh, cares about your circumstances, is, is, is all-powerful and has all authority over all things. He has the ability to not only add an hour to your life, but without even breaking a sweat, could add a hundred years to your life. He has authority over all things. He has authority over life and death. Jesus says, man, why are we worried about money why are we worried about finding, buying, acquiring this, these things that ultimately never fulfill when the thing that can fulfill us, the thing that has authority over all things, the thing that loves you more than you can begin to wrap your mind around is right here. 
Why are we not worried about drawing closer to Jesus than we are about filling our pockets and building bigger barns and storehouses? Why do we worry about this rather than worried about giving glory and fame and honor and praise to the God of all things? This is what he's trying to get you to see. This is what he's trying to get me to see and understand. We fall into the trap thinking, man, money is going to satisfy, and it never does. And we ignore the one who actually brings full satisfaction into our lives. The one who can actually satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. We must reject him in order to pursue this. He goes on, he talks about it towards the end in verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God wants he wants to care for you. The entire Bible is the story of God saying, stop trying to figure it out all on your own and come follow me. Stop trying to conquer the world and let me do it for you. Like the entire Bible is that. Follow me. Draw near to me. I'll take care of you. I want to be the one who takes care of you. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Then he says this, verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in heavens that do not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Seek the kingdom of God. Our money declares with unbelievable accuracy what we seek. If you track your spending over the past month, it will declare to you very accurately what you seek. We seek life. You want to keep breathing, so we spend money on food. It's a necessity. Uh, we seek shelter, and so we spend money on an apartment or a house, a home. We seek um, entertainment, so we have television or movies, or we go out to shows and entertainment. We seek are the joy of our children. So we, so we buy them things. We provide things for them so that they might um, laugh and play, have fun. If you look and you see, man, where is my money flowing? It will tell you with clarity what you are seeking. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Your money will answer that question for you. If you follow, the, the, if you follow your money, it will answer that question for you. You make yourself a little pie chart. You know, get, get, get in there. Get some colors, some graphs. I mean, where is my money going? Where is the kingdom of God in that list? When we get a promotion at work, when I get a new job that provides more money, um, when, when, when something comes along and I get, that, I get a tax return, never, um, but maybe, maybe, maybe you do, right? Am I using it to seek the kingdom of God? Where is it going? Where is the excess going? Bigger barns? Kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And how, how do we do this? When, if we are in the trap, we're in the trap right now, and it's, it's, just, it's just absolutely got us by the leg, and it is eating us alive. Credit card debt, addiction to work, just stress and anxiety constantly. What do we do? Jesus actually answers the question. Verse 33. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. There's a scene in the movie Speed, which was like in the 90s. Kids, ask your parents. Um, 
If you haven't seen Speed, uh, Keanu Reeves, right? He's, he's like the SWAT team guy. Jeff Daniels um, is, uh, is, is like his partner, which is also weird um, because Jeff Daniels, his name in Speed is Harry. And in the greatest movie uh, ever, Utah movie, uh, Jeff Daniels also is Harry. Um, again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, ask your kids. Um, in the movie Speed, there's a scene where Harry asks Keanu Reeves, he says, um, hey, there's a, there's a hostage, he's, he's got a gun, a gunman, and he's going into the plane, he's almost at the plane, he's 100 feet away, and he's using, he's using a woman as a hostage. What do you do? Keanu Reeves doesn't answer. Jeff Dino says, Jack, what do you do? Shoot the hostage. What? You shoot the hostage. You shoot the hostage in the leg. The hostage falls. And now, now, you, have, now you have the greater evil right in front of you. Right, right there. You, you, can, you can kill him. It's, it's, it's easy, right? The hostage is wounded or, or, or even dies, but you just saved all these people in the plane. Jesus says, your, your leg's in a trap. Your soul is in a trap. Your soul is in danger. You will stand. The entire Bible says you will stand before God and you will give an account for what you did with that excess, what you did with all those funds, what you did with all that money. The entire Bible says you're going to stand before him and you're going to say, you're going to have to declare, man, this is what I did with it. I invested in the kingdom or I invested in my own little, my own little kingdom over here. You'll stand before him and you'll have to give an, you'll have to give an account. What do you do? Jesus says, sell it all. Shoot the hostage. Shoot the hostage. If you are in the trap, if you cannot get a grip, if you, if you just can't stop seeking these things that you think are going to fulfill, kill it, man. Kill it. Just, just shoot the hostage. Remove it all. Sell the things that you think fulfill you. I think that my fulfillment is going to be found in these things. Sell them because it's a lie. It's a trap. It's not real. Give it to the poor. Give it to the needy. Provide somebody else that can't keep the heat on, the ability to keep the heat on, because you don't need that stuff, that thing, that storage unit, for crying out loud. You don't need it. You do, you do not need it. There are, literally, there are literally people in our city who do not have a home, that don't, that don't have a place to, to, to eat. They don't, they're not worried about keeping food on the table. They don't have a table. They don't have a table. And I'm telling you, we will stand before the God of all things, and he's going to say, man, which kingdom did you invest in? Did you invest in mine? Or did you take it all, all that I gave you, literally all that I gave you, and did you say, this is mine, I'm going to invest in my little dinky little kingdom? And we do not need stuff. We don't need the stuff. Think of all that we could do just, just in this room alone. Just in this room alone, if we said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to squeeze all that I can out of, out of what I earn, and I'm going to live off of the bare amount. I'm going to live off of just my salary and not my spouse's salary. I'm going to live on, on just half my salary, and we'll be just fine. We'll be just fine. We'll have an amazing home. We'll have eat amazing meals and great food and great dinner. Our kids are going to go to amazing schools. That's the reality of it. And we have all of this excess left over. 
What if we invested in the kingdom of God? What if we said, man, we're going to pursue the flourishing of humanity in South Davis County? We're going to make sure that people can pay their gas bills, and we're going to make sure that people can have food on their table. We're going to make sure that people get to hear the gospel of Jesus. We're going to plant churches, and we're, going to, we're just going to keep pressing this thing forward. We're not going to invest in ourselves and hoard it all for ourselves. We're going to invest in the kingdom of God. telling you, it's, it's the thing about this passage, again and again, Jesus makes statements that are so easy to say and yet so hard to live out. It's easy to say that. But the only way it actually happens is if you t- today, today, in the middle of a snowstorm, you sit down with your spouse and you say, let's look at our budget. Where are we spending in excess? Where, where in my heart and I, am I wishing I had more money so I could get this? And you say, let's kill it. Let's sell it. Let's get rid of it. Let's, let's remove it from our lives. Let's remove the temptation. Let's take that and let's be strategic about the kingdom of God in our lives. What will Jesus do with it? Who will see him more clearly? Who will know him greater? Who will experience his love more? by the way that we stop caring for ourselves and begin to care for others in the kingdom of God. This is what he's calling us to. This is what he's calling his people to. This is what he's calling you to. Let me pray for us. Jesus, this morning we come before you with an impossibly massive responsibility. It's easy to say, it's easy to preach, but if, if the people in this room actually live it out, it's a different story hard. It takes work. It, it, takes, it takes a risk of losing comfort, which is a lie anyways. It takes a risk of losing a little bit of security. It's also a lie anyways. But, but we feel the way. I know there's people in the room this morning that feel that way. I can't give this up. I can't get rid of that. If I lost this, I, I don't know what I would do. I mean, we have so much. We have so much. Would you help us to see it? Would we help us to see it? Would you help us to see how much we have just in you alone? If, you, if, if everything was stripped from me today, I have no home, no clothes, no family, no, no, no income, and I have Christ. Yeah, more than enough. Help us to see it. Help us to treasure you above all. Help us to have our heart in the one place where it must be, the foot of the cross. Praise in your name. In the name of Jesus. Amen.